All right, take your seats, everyone. Today we're talking about being good enough. Take your seats, please. Welcome to the Change Academy podcast. My name is Brock Armstrong. And I am Monica Reinagle. And we are here to change your mind. <laughs> nothing less. We will settle for nothing <laughs> less. You know, sometimes our desire to change is unfortunately rooted in a belief that we're not good enough the way we are and that we need to fix whatever's wrong with us before we can be happy or fulfilled. But I think rather than being motivating, this can actually be a very limiting belief that can actually make it harder to create positive change. So in this episode, we're going to explore this idea that we are good enough, even when there are things that we might want to change. Hmm. Very important distinction you made there. But first, we always like to touch base and talk about what people are working on. Are you working on anything new, Brock? Well, yes, I am. And it actually partially fueled the reason that I wanted to cover this topic in today's episode. Because recently I was sort of looking at my life and my work and where I'm, where I'm at in, in life in general. And I actually had to admit to myself that I am actually less ambitious and more beholden than I would like to be. And hmm. I'll explain what I mean by that. I mean that I think that I work harder when I'm actually trying to please somebody else or just not let them down than when I'm simply just trying to get myself ahead. And my fear of letting someone else down is actually stronger than my desire to please myself. I've always known and I've always admitted, and I even have a friend who gave me the label of ODSR. Have you ever heard of that? No. It's overdeveloped sense of responsibility. So I have what apparently is a, a very strong case of ODSR. <laughs> and I've always worn that as a bit of a bri uh, badge of pride, but I didn't realize that it actually extended into, into my work life. So I'm actually working on making some plans to, to turn that around. And, and part of this is going to be explained in, uh, in this episode of how I'm going to tackle that at least. Wow, that sounds like a really big realization. It reminds me a little bit of Gretchen Rubin's book, Better Than Before, in mm. which she has those four tendencies that she's invented that explain how it is that we form habits. And I know you and I don't always agree with every part of this philosophy, but one of them is obliger, right? Right, yes. And what you're describing sounds a little bit like Gretchen Rubin's obliger tendency. Yeah, yeah, it really it is very similar to that. And, and again, with the distinction that I think she believes that you just have to work from that sort of designation for the rest of your life, whereas I, I believe that I can change my ODSR tendencies and, and make it work to my, to my betterment. So I'm curious to know like, what those plans might include. How would you shift some of your motivation away from trying to please other people or fulfill their expectations and more towards getting what you want for yourself? Have you got a concrete idea on how that would look? Well, for now, I'm really just concentrating on putting a few things on my to-do list that are specifically for me, with the goal being that I can start collecting the evidence that I am fulfilled and I am ambitious when I do things that are specifically moving me forward, not just supporting somebody else's agenda. Yeah, and that's the big difference uh, between the way we look at this and the way Gretchen looks at this, is that we don't believe that these 
traits or beliefs are immutable. We believe that we have infinite capacity to change how we think, how we act, and the way we show up in the world. Yeah, I think the act of actually discovering and and identifying this is the first step in making a change in it. So, so I'm going to take this as a as sort of a launching point. Let's do it. Okay. Let's start here. Of the many beliefs or limiting labels or limiting beliefs as we call them in cognitive behavior theory that hold people back in their life, one of the biggest is the belief that I am not good enough. This phrase has probably occupied your mind. You might be nodding your head right now, but it has definitely occupied the minds of almost every person on this planet because somewhere along the way, we bought into the idea that we weren't good enough to do or be X, Y, or Z. And that can lead us to feel like we have to put things on hold until we're perfect before we can be happy or fulfilled. And you know what? And that is a losing endeavor. What we really need to do is make peace with our imperfections, not wait until we fix them. And notice that I said make peace, not give up on, because there's an important distinction to be made there. Making peace does not mean that we just throw our hands up in the air and give up on them. Yeah, I think there's a big difference between accepting what is and deciding that it could never be any different. Can't win, don't try. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, and I think the at the heart of this, you know, making change requires a certain investment. It, it takes a little bit of effort. We have to really do it. And it's hard to follow through on that investment if we don't believe that we ourselves are worthy of that effort or worth investing in. And so often, you know, we feel like we have to solve whatever the problem is, whatever we've identified that way that we think we're not good enough. We have to solve that in order to love ourselves or respect ourselves or accept ourselves. But in reality, it's exactly the opposite. We need to start by loving ourselves, accepting, respecting ourselves exactly the way we are in order to have the fortitude to solve the problem. Yeah, I I really agree with what you said, that it's, it's hard to follow through when we don't believe that we're worthy of that follow through. Because I, we've said many times on this podcast in, in past episodes that change is hard. Mm-hmm. You've got to want to do it more than you want to stay the same. So it's it would be hard to do that if you really don't believe that you're worthy of it. But I think that that belief kind of lurks below the surface, maybe below our conscious awareness. And those beliefs actually come from our past, and many of them come from when we're children. In fact, motivational speaker and author Louise L. Hay, I found a quote from her that she said, We learn our belief system as very little children, and then we move through life creating experiences to match our beliefs. So look back in your own life and notice how often you have gone through that same experience. I really, I like what she said in there that we actually, (laughs) we have these beliefs and then we move through life just creating experiences to match our beliefs. And and we talk about doing the opposite (laughs) in this podcast quite often, which is creating experiences to match what we want 
to believe in or what we want to be changing and moving toward. And I think all too often we actually create the experiences that hold us back. Right. It's all about what evidence we collect. And like Louise Hay said, this habitual thinking that we sort of created when we were kids can follow us throughout our entire lives. And here's some examples if you're wondering what exactly we're talking about. Let's say you had a parent that wasn't there for you when when you needed them then that belief might be, well, there must be something wrong with me that they weren't there for me and therefore I'm I'm not good enough. Or maybe my partner broke up with me, so there must be something wrong with me, so I'm not good enough. Or I was turned down for that job that I wanted. Again, there's something wrong with me, which leads to the I'm not good enough refrain. And I'm seeing a pattern here. Yes. And in sort of a more uh, modern version of that might be, and for some of the, the younger listeners out there, I, I didn't get as many likes as I usually do or that I wanted to on that social media post that I put up. So there must be something wrong with me. And therefore, I'm not good enough. Yeah. And the thing is that all of those things could actually be true. It could be true that you had a parent who let you down or that you had a partner who broke up with you or you didn't get a job you applied for or a social media post went flat. Uh, I would venture to say most of the people listening have experienced some version of all four of those things at some point in their lives. So all of those things can actually be true, but the belief that we attach to them can be false and very unhelpful, right? And this is a theme that's come up before in the podcast, and that is that the things that we believe are not necessarily true. I think we have a lot of evidence right now that people can believe things very, very strongly without any actual evidence or truth Mm -hmm. to support that belief. A belief is really just a thought that we've thought so often that we no longer question its validity. We just believe it to be true. We talked about that in episode number 12 on beliefs. But Whether or not those beliefs are actually true, whether or not it's true that there's something wrong with me, I'm not good enough, we tend to act in accordance with whatever it is that we believe. It it does become sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. And that's what we were talking about earlier when we talked about collecting evidence. Right. And we don't even notice sometimes that we are collecting evidence that doesn't back up this belief, that doesn't actually support it. But we tend to remember the evidence that right. does support it rather than the other way around. Right. We just overlook the pieces of counter evidence. You know, there's that confirmation bias. Yeah. Unfortunately, we so often use it against ourselves. Yeah. We're a weird species, aren't we? <laughs> right. Now, the good news is that as we actually learn to think differently and take ownership of our new ideas and our new beliefs, we can actually change the way we think and change the way we interpret the past and change and modify our expectations of the future. And if you go back to episode 14, where we talk about the past not predicting the future, you can find out more about that. Now, this includes the belief that we need to lose a certain amount of weight or we need to make a certain amount of money or we need to get a certain job or a promotion before we can be happy and content and really begin to live our lives. We tend to put things on hold just thinking, well, I'll I'll do that once I lost 10, 20 pounds, or I'll put that off until I've got the the money saved up in my bank account. And, And even when those times arrive, we often don't, it doesn't get us to where we need to be. So we've just put our lives on hold for no good reason. Yeah, it's so tempting and so common 
to think that if we can change the external circumstances, things that we identify that we would like to change, like the things you just mentioned, maybe our body, our money, our job, our partner, our mm-hmm. habits, if we can just change those externals, that it's going to change our internal experience. But it usually doesn't work that way. We might be more satisfied with those particular circumstances for sure. But if we aren't content in our lives, it probably doesn't have as much to do with those external circumstances as we think. So I think it's just really important to separate our desire for positive change, which is a great thing, from our ability to be happy or our expectation of happiness. Right. That's so important. Like we are not saying that you shouldn't have those goals. If you've been listening to this podcast at all, you know that having those goals and and wanting to improve yourself and, and take those positive steps forward is a really valuable thing. It's just the idea that you need to achieve that before you can be happy or you can you can feel fulfilled and, and feel like you're good enough. Exactly. Now, this often this actually makes me think of you, you hear about pretty much every Olympic year that comes around, except for 2020 when the Olympics got postponed. But every other Olympic year, you hear these great stories about these Olympic athletes and how they persevered for years and years and they've dedicated their whole lives to to this one moment and then they win gold. And it's amazing. And then if you follow up with them a couple months later, they're still kind of riding that high, but then it starts to fade. And there is actually a type of depression that settles in after an an athlete wins a gold medal at the Olympics. The idea is that they've given so much of their lives and they've given so much value to continually striving for higher and higher athletic achievements that their own happiness and self-worth is reliant on those athletic goals and that athletic progress. And once they've won that ultimate race or they've won that gold medal, well, they lose that external validation that assured them that they were making progress and becoming good enough. And what happened was that they built their life on not being good enough. So they then went on to spend their time striving to become good enough. So they're basically working toward a moment that would never really come because it's not winning the big race that makes you good enough. If they had valued themselves for who they are rather than what they have done, they could have been content the whole time and still won the competitions and not felt that sense of loss and and sadness once they actually did win that big race. Yeah, that's such a great illustration. I mean, it makes me just want to say that again. It's so important to separate our desire for positive change or to achieve a certain goal from our ability to be happy and content in our lives two totally different things. And it kind of goes back to what I was talking about at the very beginning about what I'm working on with myself. I think I've identified that to a certain extent, I'm placing value on myself because I think people are liking me for what I'm doing rather than who I am. Hmm. And I think that's a really important lesson for a lot of us to to learn. Right. Now, a fellow named Kane Ramsey, who's actually the, the founder of Ecology, and that's where I studied cognitive behavior theory, um, he has this quote that he says, If we're simply bold enough to accept the fact that who we are as individuals is good enough, not perfect, but good enough, then this sets us free for the rest of our lives. 
And we no longer have to strive for perfection, and we can simply just commit to a journey of self-improvement where we work on being a better version of ourselves today than we were yesterday, and so on and so on. Who doesn't want to be set free for the rest of their lives? (laughs) (laughs) There's a little bit of hyperbole in there, I suppose. No, I I love it. I love it. But I also had to smile when you said, yeah, we can simply commit to a journey of self-improvement. Yep, just that. That's all. Just that. (laughs) It's a big commitment. But I think that seeing areas of our lives that we want to improve doesn't have to be a rejection or a judgment of who we are. In a way, it can be a validation that we are good enough to be better. Right. And I think if you're actually listening to this podcast right now, you probably have bought into the idea that committing to a journey of self-improvement is worthwhile and and not a not an onerous task. It's it's actually quite exciting. Yeah, but it does require being on guard for those limiting beliefs that right. can be lurking without our awareness. So, I guess our takeaways from from today are that when we're always striving to become good enough, then we're living our lives from a place of not being good enough or being broken or needing to be fixed. And that's not a good place to start a a self-improvement project from. But when we make peace with the fact that we aren't perfect, but we are good enough, it liberates us to devote our lives to simply getting better, which is fun. (laughs) And making peace with our imperfections doesn't mean that we stop trying to better ourselves. It just means that we don't have to delay our contentment or our feeling of self-worth for that elusive day when we finally reach our goal. Yeah, it's funny. While I was listening to you do those takeaways, I sort of started thinking about we just bought a new house and our house is really good enough. (laughs) It really is good enough, but it has its imperfections, but nothing that will prevent us from living happily in it as we do the the little improvements and little tasks around the yard and around the the outside and replacing the windows and things like that. But sort of uh, that same idea. Yeah. And good thing too, because that little list of things that needs to be done around the house and the garden, the yard, it's, you're never done with it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's never, every item is just never crossed off because new ones get added to the bottom. So that's such a perfect realization that that house is good enough for you guys to be happy in right now. I love that. All right. So it's time for the lab experiment. So this time your lab experiment is to just take some time to reflect and consider how the limiting belief of I'm not good enough affects your own life. Now, to help you actually do this thinking, here are some questions you can ask yourself. So the first question is, in what ways and what areas do you recognize this belief in your own life? Now, the reason why we say ways and areas is because this thought sneaks into, into different parts of your life in different, in different ways and different forms. Then the second question you can ask yourself is, how has your life been affected by believing this? What results have you actually achieved or what results have you actually missed out on because of this belief? Now, the third question is, think about the past events where you have learned to believe that you were not good enough and then consider how you could actually reinterpret these events now. And this could go back to like the things we were talking about earlier about a a parent wasn't around when I needed them or that partner broke up with me. Can you look back on those events and reinterpret them in a different way so you're not, so the, the end result isn't, I'm not good enough. And finally, number four is, if you make the decision to choose to accept the fact 
that who you are as an individual is fundamentally good enough, then how might you change or modify your expectations of the future? Uh, would you maybe start that business you've been thinking about or plan that investment stock portfolio that you've been dreaming about? Or maybe just ask that person out for coffee that you've been thinking about for a while, but not in person, of course. It's a virtual coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good lab experiment. I hope everyone takes a little bit of time with that this week. And if you are enjoying the Change Academy, we hope you might tell a friend that you think might also enjoy it or even leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app and let us know what you're working on. You can drop us a note or record us a message from our website, which is changeacademypodcast.com. Yeah, I'm sure you're not alone out there if you do have that thought of not being good enough. So let's provide some support for each other. Make sure that we know we're not alone. All right. See you next time, everybody. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks, everybody. This has been the Change Academy podcast. Don't forget your lab experiment. <laughs>